turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Okay, hello, Tim. Hi, Ryan. And hello to all of our listeners out there in the yonder, and welcome to episode 18 of Dismembering Horror. Right? I'm excited to be almost out of these teenage years. (laughs) Oh, can we drink? Oh, no, we can't drink yet. No. Oh, well, well, welcome to Dismembering Horror again. I bet if we were in Spain, we could drink. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Especially if it was in Basque country, That's too. Right. Um, yes, Dismembering Horror, the show where we talk about, Tim and I here, what worked for us and what did not work for us, and anything we found uh, interesting or noteworthy <laughs> about noteworthy. Horror, horror films that we want to see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that, Tim? Uh, yeah, I do. Like, remember a couple of weeks ago when we watched Onibaba? Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, those those robes that they're wearing, they look so comfortable and thin and delicious and, like, light and airy. And so I bought one. <laughs> we'll, we'll take I, a picture for our mm, – we'll, we'll gram it for you. I'm wearing it right now. And they – I was right that they are light and airy and comfortable and awesome to wear. Yeah, you got it from a, a, a thrift shop here yep. on Melrose. Yep, yep. Great, yep. we'll post a picture because we know uh, you want to see that now. <laughs> um, Do you? Yeah, hey, oh, okay, good. now that I've seen it. It'll be it'll be terrifying. So I right um, got a, a couple things just to, just to get out of the way here. I know that was big news, Ooh. what you just had. But uh, I needed to correct something I said in last week's episode really? when we were um, reviewing Rec 2. Uh, you started off saying how you give it gave it a rent. Mm-hmm. I I sort of jumped on that saying I, I I gave it that too, but I actually meant stream because so I wanted to clarify Ooh. that that my that my review of Rec was actually I said um I said what's that film the the ritual was kind mm-hmm. of my baseline mm-hmm. for rental. stream oh it, yeah you I meant, meant for streaming I meant for streaming I get you because um. Streaming to me should still be worth your time. Sure. In a sense, you know, you get something out of it. And um, Rec 2, I felt like that was the high end stream for me. Like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. That was fun and cool. But it wasn't approaching the kind of like, oh, shit, this is a good, good film I want to see. But you think Rec 1 is? Yes. Mm, I think Rec 1's a rent to buy for me. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, just that. And then the last thing I wanted to, oh. to continue that. I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, in, in sequential of our episodes here on the black cat, you confessed your interest. Um, you have a soft spot for ghost things, not necessarily ghost films, but no. like you said, as you put it, all those horrible, uh, ghost shows. Yes. I know. And it's then, like. A yeah. guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, but how neat that in order of you saying that soon after you must have said that is when you saw your had oh. your ghost encounter. Yeah, that's true. Which you mentioned in then the next episode. So it was kind of you set yeah. that up for yourself. I in guess a way. so. Yeah. And, Maybe it was all in my head. <laughs> right. But, you know, if I was, and you know, when I was editing last week's Rec 2 episode, when you talked about that ghost encounter, I would have felt pretty teased that we that we said you did that, but you didn't actually explain it anymore. So could you at least give a quick summary for anyone who oh, may have the been actu- like me? like what I actually saw? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, okay. So I was in my friend's house. She lives in an old craftsman in Pasadena. 
on like a corner lot, like in sort of an older area of town, and which is generally like I've talked to people. They're like, yeah, that part of town is haunted. I don't know why, but that's what people say. So we're sitting in there and I'm in we're in the dining room and I can see into the living room from where I'm sitting. Nobody else can because they're kind of facing the other way. And the living room is dark. There's the lights are off and there's like a fairly big kind of bay window that faces the street. But there's bushes and trees and stuff obscuring your view to the street. So it's all just dark. And I'm talking to my friends and out of the corner of my eye to my left where the living room is, I see something moving. And I kind of think I, my brain initially just assumed it was like headlights or whatever shining through the window. But then I look over and there is a fucking woman head to toe, stand, like standing in front of the window, like mid stride. She walks two steps away from me, sort of through the, the room, uh, the living room. And just is gone. I'm like looking directly at this happen. Now, granted, she wasn't like f it was full bodied for the most part, but she was sort of translucent. -y. It was like she was all kind of one color, like grayish, pinkish, grayish, sort of translucent. I don't know how to put it. And like not every piece of her was fully visible. It's like I could see that sort of her head and shoulders and then nothing. And then like her waist and hands, like she had her hands sort of clasped in front of her. And then like nothing. And then like the bottom of like kind of a dress. Well, okay. So yeah, what kind of clothing it was? Like era? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I would say not modern you know like a dress like a full-length dress and then what i was super curious about i'm like what do you mean she vanished or went was gone and you arrived at it was kind of like smoke yeah almost. yeah that's ultimately in thinking about it i was like i don't know i mean she was there and then she wasn't but it was sort of like smoke just you know if somebody blew a bunch of smoke that dissipates and then eventually is gone it was like that except fairly quick and you also said the last thing I thought was interesting that the sort of like uh, emotional reaction you had None. was, well, no, you, you said as far as like, yeah, you know, as far as it didn't scare out, me. No, but you said at, more instinctually versus emotional is your reaction was as if you're watching an old film. Reel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it really did feel like I just was watching a projection of uh, some old film reel. Mm hmm. Not, and, and just being like, oh, that's interesting to look at. And what were uh, the <laughs> reactions so of the, the people who lived oh, there? My friends were like, I was like, um, I just, they like just saw a, like a woman walk by and they were like, oh yeah, this place is like, this house is super haunted and there's a woman who like is in here and we like a bunch of people have seen her and they're like, yeah, it's, it's just the way it is. I think that's so I was cool. like, let's let's ghost hunt in here. And they're like, this is our house. So no, <laughs> we don't want to stir it up. I was like, okay, great. Damn it. Thanks it for sharing cool. that. Because yeah, yeah I would have, um, I would have felt uh, teased not yeah. having heard the rest well, of there that. There you go. I saw a ghost first time in my life. Great. So uh, let's get into our episode. What do we do for that? Should we, let's, oh, let's... we got to say what it is. Let's say what it is. And then we'll play <laughs> the trailer. Yeah. Um, I you have to say because I I don't think I can pronounce it. All right, this week we watched Erementari, the blacksmith and the devil. Alfredo Ortiz no fue diputado comisario. Contuvo a Tigerse Narines. No la luna y te que Erementeriera. 
Albito quiere al chan. Harto de guiso. Es que ha en video. Quiero seguir a Recari. Razón no te No es tibili. Tú quieres plantear por la visita. Yeah, man. Okay, do you want to do it? No, man. <laughs> I'm shaking my I gotta head. do it. Um, okay, here we go. I could do this. It's, um, you know, it's 1820s-ish Basque country of Spain, or Basque region of Spain. And uh, there's war, and there's some deserters, and they're going to be executed for deserting. And... In that execution, one of them doesn't die, and we see a flash of a devil f demon form, and then we and and that guy kills all of the soldiers. We jump eight years later, and we are in this little town, and there's all of the things that you want in like gothic horror, right? It's gothic, and there's mean old people, and there's an orphan girl, and there's like. An asshole, asshole kids, and there's woods and mysterious stranger. Yeah, exactly. And scary bad guy who might be a good guy. You don't know anything about it because he's mysterious. And then there's like an establishment guy who comes in and sort of says, "We gotta go deal with this scary bad guy that everybody's scared of, who's the blacksmith." Um, and so the story really, I think, mainly is that this little orphan girl who's kind of a rabble rouser, um. She gets involved with the blacksmith, and we discover that the blacksmith made a deal with a demon. Yeah. And so I guess the summary would be a blacksmith who promises his soul to the devil. Yes. You usurps that uh, agreement. Yes. Um, and that's actually that's, that's it. kind of it, right? Because the the story is kind of a unraveling of the whys. Yeah, like what, like why did he do that? What did he get out of it? Like, well, who it, is he? Who right. is the girl? You know what I mean? Like, you're kind of you're playing catch up a little bit. It's the about whole time. yeah, revealing the backstory. Yeah, all that good stuff. And how would you rate this film? Hmm. Uh, rating it from would you would you tell yourself tim if you hadn't seen it to avoid it to stream it to rent it or go out and buy it oh, man i feel like i say rent a lot but it's good i really like it so would i want to would i want to own this probably not i mean it's good it's good enough to own but hmm i guess rent again yeah strong rent though i'm with you a strong rent like I'd, I'd do like a six dollar rental instead which of like four guys if you have netflix you it's you know you have to it's stream streaming it. right now just book and watch it so you can stream this film that tim and i think is totally worth renting <laughs> that's right and we hope you've seen it already so our opinion is basically worthless yeah well we know that <laughs> but um all right, yeah. So that was, was that. I'm just gonna just get out of that. So let's do what worked for us. Yeah, let's do that. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> 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 Work like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked?
Great, because I feel like we have a good amount of things that oh, yeah. as far as what worked for us. What do you have? Okay. Um, kind of what I already said. That that opening scene, the set like the setup of this. Um, just the 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 setting. It's it's so sort of like it's, you know, there it's foggy and damp and you you know it's whatever nineteen early nineteenth century creepiness. The the beautiful like uh environment. I think is beautiful. I mean, it's all kind of dank and damp and and creepy, but I, it's so cool it's to look at. It's the story, but kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's a fairy tale. I mean, yeah. it really is. Um, like j- the moss on trees. That like it's just so cool to the look at. The dirty war costumes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love all of that. The 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 art direction, if you can even call it that. I guess it is, but like just the setting and where we are. Like the the. The world building of it, I love, love, love. Yeah. Um, if that, if that's what you got out of that intro, I, I agree. I loved all that. What really stood out to me though, was setting the tone of um, the intensity of wartime yeah. and like executions. Dude, and they're um, standing like four feet from them. The guys <laughs> right. who are shooting the the deserters. It's not like I feel like when you, when you think. At least when I think like, um, what do you call that? Gun execution, like, mm-hmm. um, like um, firing squad. Firing squad, yeah. So when I think firing squad, I think of like a person against a wall, and then like four or five dudes like thirty feet away from them. In this, they are no joke as close to them as you and I are right now, okay. which is about four or five feet. Right. And then they like raise their guns. You're like, oh, they they can't miss. Yeah. Also there was a there are four guys shooting and three dudes getting killed. I was like, which one which guy, which of the sh- the firing squad doubled up? Like which one did he choose? Yeah. Or did they decide that beforehand? The They're biggest like, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The biggest traitor or whatever. Yeah. Well what I loved so much about that is it, it is intense. I'm with you. Yeah. That that alone made you go, oh shit. Well, well, yeah, that intensity, why it works for me in this film, how it functions is it's like, if this is a film that appeals to kids, like actually mm. in a way where, you know, the filmmaker, I believe said, you know, is inspired by, right, yeah. you know, a lot of film like legend, dark and crystal, dark crystal, yeah. he said in an interview, um, so, well, I, I totally get that. This was the kind of film for me where it didn't. Like I could, I could see, could, could see me getting into it as a kid because it doesn't condescend. Like that's what that intensity yeah. translates as to me. It's not oh. condescending. It says, yeah, we can deal with themes of suicide mm-hmm. and loss. And because like we have kids in our film acknowledging it and reacting to it, yeah. you know, we can, you know, we don't condescend and we can still call it a film for kids. kids. That's interesting. A lot, you, you saying that, makes me realize that a lot of kind of the setting up of backstory is is kind of it's kind of used through the kids more right uh for example learning that the little the orphan girl whose name is really hard to pronounce i think it's yusue or yusue it's really hard to say so i'm we could just call her Sue, I guess, but whatever. Usu. <laughs> so she, um, wet, there, there's this sort of, she's the one who brings up, like, when you kill yourself, do you automatically go to hell, right? It's like, 
it's her point of view of these sort of more serious thematic things and, and plot things, you know. Um, and having the kid do that instead, it, 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 like the alternative would be, you know, you have a scene with the kid and then you have two adults condescend essentially of being like, oh, yeah, backstory, 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 blah, blah, right. blah. But instead, we're getting the kids saying it and then getting the other kids kind of making fun of her for it or whatever, which puts us really in her shoes. And I think that's that's a good tactic if you are trying to avoid coming off as kind of pretentious or condescending or whatever yeah. to your audience you want the kids point of view to, i like to be where you're rooted it like helped put us in that point of view of the kid by um having it so that the adults were just so kind of violently dogmatic about oh what they God, believed yeah. in so it's like we were with the kids point of view seeing like okay this isn't totally the right way of going about this idea of heaven and hell and religion like i know that instinctually because i'm getting hit and like my ear pulled by this guy right right so so it's fun it puts us in that position of let's figure out sort of for our own what heaven and hell is and yeah you know still be open to exploring that and in a way it's it's i mean they even go they kind of go one step further in in depicting how how kind of absurd the adults are which I loved in this. It's yeah. sort of there's a bunch of times like the I think it's the 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 innkeeper or whatever. They're the bartender. I don't know. He's an innkeeper. They're right? usually both in these yeah. <laughs> this world. He gets hit like five times by his I think it's his wife, right? I forget. I think it is. Um but like in one scene she hits him three times in the back of the head and like pretty violently and you kinda just go, God, every adult like the priest kind of is a he's a doofus to the alfredo the the government official guy he's well he's not a government official we find that out yeah, yeah. but like he, he you know all of the adults are borderline comical because and but it's it serves such a good purpose because it again it puts a kind of a it shows us through the lens of the kid that the kid is is and the blacksmith but the kid is kind of the most reasonable person in this movie and like when you see the adults acting so brashly like they're like oh you know they run to the blacksmith's place because the government guy says to and they fuck up and it's an accident and then they're instantly like we gotta go kill him it's like dude right calm down way to keep up the townspeople stereotype <laughs> yeah exactly the scared towns but i think showing that i mean this feels so very fairy tale and fable to me um and it is like it ultimately is it's based on a a fable mm -hmm. so the i think which was called what the smith and and the devil yeah the blacksmith and the devil yeah, yeah. so there you go but it it accomplishes translating that you know a fable into a film really 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 well well yeah to go off that sort of my i think why this worked as a whole for me so well is because that filmmaker's love for fables and i think this was one of his favorite ones really yeah. comes through like as if when we were talking about um x-day hair extensions how mm. that was an example of things working just because the filmmaker's confident yeah, this was an example of where that that the filmmaker's enthusiasm and childlike enthusiasm really is imbued in every aspect of the film, and um, 
and makes it and, and, and allows the the viewer, at least, you know, me to really get on board with it all. Yeah. And um, I just turned you up, baby. Now you sound beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was going to say kind of it reminded me it wasn't unlike Mandy in that sort of... I, you know, there were moments when I thought the same thing. Right, where you see the filmmakers kind of love of this world and yeah. this aesthetic yeah. is the thing that we're able just to sort of help us go to this world with the film and with the filmmaker. Yeah, totally. No, I... I, I that... The feel, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the passion of the all of the story and that topic yeah, coming I really, through with that. They, they, this dude, his name is Paul... Ooh, oh, oh boy. Paul Yorkiho Alijo, I think is how you maybe would say that, but maybe not. Paul. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Paul. He's Paul. So, it's so good. Paul. So, so well done. Um, Other just so... kind of major things that worked for me was the cast and the performances. Totally. want to get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fucking everybody's awesome. Right. Yeah. The main just... guy, the main older guy who's kind of like, has the um appeal of like the 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 good-hearted grandpa that you warm up to but at the same time kind of like the old man Marley home alone. He's that character, you oh, know. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. This yeah. is the blacksmith, you mean? Mm, yeah. The blacksmith. What's his name? Um um Patsky. Yeah, P A T X I. Mm-hmm. You say that either. And uh, then... he's awesome. Yeah, he's scary. Mhm. But warm in you know, not just because he's in a blacksmith shop. Right. And how he's about... got a kindness to him behind his scariness, which yeah. is a fucking cool thing to see. And is fun to approach again from the kid's perspective. Right. Of like, because I'm the kid, I can almost kind of um, trust my gut more in seeing the good in him. Yeah. Which she does for Sartel, right. the demon, yeah. too. Yeah, that, I loved that moment, this moment where she gets inside of the... The smithy, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. She's inside his home and there's, you know, a billion metal crosses everywhere, which I love just the aesthetic of that. And she comes upon this little kid in a cage. So let's talk about his performance too. The little kid or or the actor? I believe it was the same, but I was just... Oh, the initial little kid that we see Uh is not the actor who plays the made-up demon sartel got it well the demon's performance the demon's performance is fucking great right <laughs> like talk about uh he's all he's so all over the place but in like just the right way yeah i was gonna say like acting through the makeup or those working in tandem so well yeah and they also i do you think that some of the movement of the like his ears would move at times like the big ears was that i think that that was all you know actual mechanics and prosthetics and it was just the tail that was cg every once in a while right right which i was convinced yeah i was too it was so good um yeah he's just creepy but funny yeah and that's what worked for me so well was about him, and this is maybe kind of irreverent, you know. Like, to tra- ah! Yeah, to transition more just to just that character, Sartell, and his everything about him, which the performance uh, only heightened. But the design, it it uh, 
it it did that that rare thing that's so it's it's like it seems like it would be an impossible feat to sort of to sort of try to accomplish but where despite like how kind of silly and humanized he gets for a demon by the end mm-hmm. he still retains this scary quality to him at least for me like yeah i think i mean i think that's a testament to this actor's kind of physical body work Mm -hmm. like his ability to just kind of like do things physically with his body that are just off of what we humans would how we pose right like it's little things like his shoulder is a little up just more than we we should or like just his head being kind of tilty and weird like just a little weirder than any normal person would be (laughs) in that makeup is like super heightened Mm -hmm. and even when at the very end when he's out of makeup we see him he comes out from behind a tree he he's still like i think it's just part of who he is and maybe obviously part of the performance but he like uh quiets down that that weirdness when he's out of the makeup just enough and i mean on the reverse side he retains it just enough it's like this very cool balance of like oh shit there's the dude who is in the makeup this whole time but he's still that character and he's still kind of creepy but like just a kid in a way not the little kid but like he's you know he's a young dude yeah well i mean this connects to what the last things i had down for what worked for me is just um what we see in that moment and, and when he's you know, in his human form at the end, we see we see his fear and can kind of empathize with mm. it, which for a demon, someone who's supposed to sort of represent someone yeah. who shows no sign of empathy or caring, we've sort of seen him go on this journey where he actually helps this little girl because she yeah. opened up to him. And um, I love how this story, uh, like his character arc, you know, the quote unquote bad guy's character arc is just as interesting yeah as pretty much everybody else he's left on earth to be vulnerable too yeah and we that's feel... cool man like it's just fucking smart because we you can't not kind of like him over the course of the movie mm-hmm. so so it makes more sense story-wise that he's not the one who gets you know he, he, he you know the good guy doesn't slay him in yeah a, in a way right it's like it makes more sense that he's kind of a he's a chess piece he's not the the ultimate goal well, and also the the good guys uh torture him which helped me feel for him too that's right yeah yeah <laughs> and, and yeah i mean there's sort of this con- this constant level of conflict between like what's okay mm-hmm. which is awesome right. for everybody right in a way like everybody's kind of you know uh walking this tightrope of like what side am I on? Like, what am I supposed to believe? Like, yeah, what is good? What's we like bad? to think it's a demon, an embodiment of evil. So we're kind of almost like, you know, sympathizing with Patsky and the the girl Usue right. when they're torturing him. But at the same time, I was feeling for him. And like, right. and no. then she, after she fucking rings the bell and he really like hurts him, she goes back and apologizes. Yeah. She's like, I'm sorry I did that. That I, wasn't that wasn't nice. Of that me. was all really interesting. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just deepening this sort of the human aspect of like how we generally treat people, how we jump to conclusions about certain people, how we, you know, like it's there is this morality through line uh, constantly of like 
in this movie. And I think that's what fables are kind of, that's the point, right? Yeah. And it um, allowed it to it's take, just doing yeah. it really, really well. well. It took, allowed it to take it to a sort of modern, a more modern extent of exploring morality in yeah. these tales Yeah. of, um, well, by turning it into a film, we can kind of sort of, these are interesting questions we would have as far as these moral lines. Mm-hmm. Let's explore those a bit more. Yeah. In this, that. in this setting that we're not, you know, really uh well versed in right yeah like we don't know what it was like to live back then right maybe everyone was an asshole back then i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> just to continue with the i guess the characters slash performances mm-hmm. um the main girl us- 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 <laughs> uh i yes. loved how she was like uh, how she was tough didn't yeah. take any crap yeah like like stood up to those boys. I loved that when they kept trying to pick on her and every single time she yeah, just she like, fought right back. Yeah, she kicks one, the kid in the nuts and she punches him in the nose and she, it's yeah. like, she's like, not today, motherfucker. Right. I hated those kids so much, the boys so yes, much. It just meant a lot to see her uh, put them in their place. <laughs> They're the worst. Yeah. Throwing rocks at people and shit. Fuck right. them. <laughs> I have a story, by the way. Yeah, is the, it applicable? Yeah. I was in Switzerland when I was a little kid. And we were, you know, we had a long day. I was, I think I was eight and I have an older brother and, you know, we're walking down this cobblestone street in some Swiss town. Right. And, uh, we're kicking rocks. Like we each had a a little rock and we're kicking them and trying to keep our rock ahead of the other person's rock. So we made up some dumb game and my brother got way ahead of me. Like I screwed up and kicked it like backwards or whatever. It hit something and I'm panicked. We're up ahead of my parents a bit, and I panic because he's so far ahead of me, and I'm like, I have to win. So I picked my rock up and threw it as far as I could to get ahead of him, and it fucking hit an old man in the head. And, yeah. And I, like, heart stopped because I'm like, oh, fuck. That's real bad, and obviously not on purpose. And why did I throw it? I'm so dumb. And I go running up, and the old man saw my brother kicking his rock and assumed that my brother had thrown it. And he grabbed my brother by like the the cuff or whatever you call it, by the shirt and slaps him across the face. Whoa. And I saw that and was like, ah! and like ran over and grabbed my brother and like, like pulled him away. Did that teach you the lesson even more than uh, if it had been you? Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. And then my uh, and my parents, they watched all of this happen. They're like 20 yards behind Mm -hmm. us. So they came running up and they're like, oh, wait. So before they come running up, there's this beautiful moment. Right. I've pulled my brother away. I'm freaking out. He's calming me down, even though he's the one who just got slapped. And sorry, this is a long story. And he looks so the, the old man said some stuff in German, probably. And so we didn't know what the hell he said probably said you fucking dumbass kid like why'd you throw that rock at me um but we didn't know and so my brother i'm panic stricken my brother looks at me and he's like it's cool don't worry they don't you're not gonna get in trouble they like they don't speak english here the second he said that both of us turn and there's a sign two feet away from us on the side of the road that has a british flag a swiss flag and a french flag and it says we speak english here and we're like oh no yeah and so of course like my parents run up and they're like yo like you like we're sorry that happened but you don't get to hit our fucking kid you know and so they had a little 
back and forth for a second and then it was over and german man just oh like... man he wailed on my brother and you know i should have been the one getting hit <laughs> wow and what was the anyway, reaction of the blacksmith getting hit by the rock again i forget he, he ran after the kids and remember he got a hold of the kids jacket right oh yeah just to freak him out yeah but he doesn't do anything well that was him, kind right? of the early he signs kind of lets him go that was um, the early signs of seeing, oh, the blacksmith doesn't want to hurt anybody because right. the townspeople, remember, they accused him of killing that guy. No, the guy fell into the bear trap. Which, by the way, the bear traps, amazing. So I have that. I loved <laughs> on things that worked for me. Is... I have bear trap times three. Yeah. Well, I, times two, <laughs> meaning the second time on Sartell. Yeah, the demon. right. So you get it the first time when the dude gets it in the head, which is a great death. Right. Um, the townsperson. Yeah, the townsperson. But then Sartell getting it twice. The same. It's, oh, my God. The second time, it's so satisfying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's so... It's like... I don't even know what you call it. Just the fact that he's It's great to see that, that much frustration in a demon, too. <laughs> you know, a demon being foiled yeah. by just something so human and just a meat, like a trap. Yeah. A booby yeah. trap. And it's sort of, in in a weird way, it feels like... It, it it's uh, it's like a kryptonite type thing you know like he he's a demon and so he doesn't remember that the last time he ran out there. you know it's like he's got sort of a, a flaw like his own flaw of some some in well, this is vague but like it's it's like rather than his response being i got captured by a bear trap the first time so i'm going to be careful it was so just like what's well, not going to happen again he wasn't right. even thinking about right. it right which is what yeah exactly demons are supposed to be kind of like arrogant and like you know of course he would not think about it the yeah. second time because he's a dick well that's kind <laughs> of a representative of the the story and the the main like uh thematic whatever is being explored in this film sartell being trapped by a bear trap a second time because like what i mm. what i loved about this film in this story was any any story you don't see it too much but like anything that sort of takes like the rules of the supernatural, all powerful, you know, you can't, you can't break this. This is how it's going to be. Um, testing anything that tests those limits or those rules and says, you know, F you, like, let's just see what, let's see what happens. If I can just, if you're going to steal my soul, well, why don't I just put you in a cage? Right. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just sort of, it reveals that much more about the world and how it functions in uh in an interesting way like i always am interested in like well like how we're interested in horror films is always about mm. pushing boundaries and saying what if so i love the what what if within this context right. yeah um you know like if uh if someone you know said to scrooge said to the three ghosts you know like like followed them somehow or sure you know break the rules yeah, it was like oh that you you think this is the rule well, yeah i don't like what about this so i guess this really thing? in a nutshell it's fooling the devil in this case yeah yeah i mean and i think hmm, I, i'm like i'm hesitant to talk about hell because that is well whatever so hmm. <laughs> you mean you don't want to get to the I don't end yet get, yeah not yet um well how about the chickpeas but, well that's a, sort of yes that's a good lead-in so like the rules quote-unquote the rules there are certain things that that they set up right like the i guess does the 
does the little bell have did it have to be gold was that the key i saw that it was blessed somehow yeah oh right yes that that makes more sense um but they they set a couple of these rules up right like the bell hurts them and the, the chickpeas they have to count them right those rules you kind of know right away are going to come back around potentially but you 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 know it's like why set those rules up anyway but i like that like kind of what you're saying that there's this ambiguity between what is set in stone rule wise and what isn't and you can kind of flex around that and i think that's kind of thematically to the point of the broader story that that life is not just sort of this like black and white thing like People make mistakes. People fucking have tempers. People do things that they regret. And, you know, like like the death of his wife, you know, could have potentially been avoided, right? Right. And as if... But he lost his fucking temper because he fucked up. Yeah, it's saying as if heaven and hell aren't these sort of end-all black yeah. and white, you know... Um, Constructs uh, or whatever, I guess. Yeah, ex- exactly. Definitive ideas that... Yeah it's exploring more how they're just an extension of things that are very human. Yeah. And, uh, and we get to see how that's malleable in this story. And just makes, I think it's in that sort of the lesson kind of fable, you know, teaching a lesson thing is this to me, that's a good lesson, right? right? Like people are, people are fallible. They make dumb decisions and mistakes and like, you know, your authority figures aren't always the best people. Right. And the people who you think are complete assholes, sometimes they're not. Yeah. You know, and that, for some reason to me, exploring that type of stuff is very pleasing. Well, to jump into the gates of hell. Yeah. Okay. The ending here <laughs> was something you just said reminded me of like, oh God, what was it? But it was something I didn't write down. I loved how when the the doors of the gates of hell started closing. Yes. People wanted to get yeah, in. Yeah, they're like, no, I, I lived a horrible life. I was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. There were a lot of little details in the end sequence that sort of made me go, okay, I'm loving this movie. You know, this yeah. is something I, this is a movie I love. Like yeah. from that detail to like the different demons seeing them. Don't, and oh man, the there's one... a face with a the face on his butt. Yeah, the mouth butt. So good. Yeah, that was just one of those <laughs> details where it just sort of filled in this, well, the the details yeah. of this world yeah. and sort of, a, oh, I, it's not so, there's always a sense of discovery happening yeah. within it. I love this, and I'm sure that there's, a, you know, uh, historical context to this that, like, not every demon looks the same, right? There's all sorts of different demons. Yeah. But just getting to kind of see different designs it's like because you could have just put all of them in in the sartel costume right and i think you probably wouldn't think much of it but going that extra step and being like no 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 every demon's different and designing different very very different demons like multiple ones is it's just fun and exciting yeah, and, and like pleasing it, and hearing them talk to each other, the different demons. Yeah, like, they kind of have oh, different opinions about yeah, stuff. Oh, Sartell, where have you been? <laughs> it's like yeah. they're they're a town. And yeah, yeah as yeah. they're they're all like, as you said, uh individuals recognizing right. each other. They're like, I have a job to do. Oh fuck. But how cool is that? Just the idea of our our main hero, Patsky, going in with a giant bell yeah. to sort of save to save the girl. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he has, I mean, he really has to, right? Like, 
he fucked up. Like, this whole thing kind of wouldn't be a thing if he hadn't, A, made a deal with the devil in the first place, and B, fucking killed his wife's new husband. Yeah. Like, dude, take a fucking chill pill. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you he know? was affected by the war. Yeah. Right, and even that, like, that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of connect something else in the movie within the ending, I loved um, talking about the performances again. I guess, no, no, not so much the performance, but just the the character of, what was his, Alfredo? Alfredo, who the government is, guy, yeah. Who then is actually the demon... Alistair? Um, Alistair, Alistair, Alistar. Something like that, yeah. Like, I love that in things. I'm trying to think what else it's in like definitely some other movies where there's been a devil in a human form but where the sort of more like where the actually more threatening evil is sort of physically embodied by someone a bit more like i think they even call him in this film they call him like oh, oh you're a dweeb oh no the, or, yeah that's right they use a word like um it's, it's like sort of, pansy or something yeah, like that exactly like the pans, I, I don't know and if how pansy, he says something like, like that oh i wouldn't be of any help you know Going oh, in, like, right, yeah. <laughs> and um, I wouldn't be of any help, you know, doing anything physical, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so you all just go into the, the smithy and, and do that. I'll I mean, just, it, it, I'll just be here in my, you know, glasses and hat. Right. But I love that as, like... That commentary of, like, right. fucking authority, like, administrative authority, right. government authority. Like, it, it shows how them. kind of an, an intellectual evil mm-hmm. is more powerful than a physical one. So right. when we see and that, potentially more oppressive and like, yeah. you know, the bigger bad of the world. Exactly. So it's fun when that, when yeah. you see that embodied by like the two sides physically. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love, by the way, when he, he, his d- initial demon form is sort of half revealed. Right. And you just get half of his face. That design was fucking oh, yeah. cool. You and see how really and scary gruesome he is. and scary. Yeah, because you're only getting kind of a peek, but having it be that dual thing where it's half his face is fucking yeah. awesome. To well, look at. And I guess I should clarify what I meant by all that was how, like, by the end, he was this giant right demon. That's what that's what I was saying. The sort of two sides of that. Yeah, yeah. He become he really does. We see the the um the hell version of this theme yeah that you know is very different on earth <laughs> i love this movie tim i did too man i uh i get it yeah same same reasons mandy someone sort of loving a certain kind of story that came before and sharing that love with us speaking of being similar to mandy this is this movie's very metal <laughs> yeah the fucking blacksmith, blacksmith. punches he's like making a thing a hot metal thing with a hammer and the hammer breaks and he punches the the metal instead because his hammer's broken right he punches metal he punches molten level i mean metal i can't even talk i'm so excited he punches molten metal i forgot about that is punches it with his bare fist he doesn't even have a glove on it seemed that that was setting up that he was almost more like supernatural yeah. somehow dude but no, no he's, he's just, just metal. metal as fuck yeah <laughs> well yeah he's even the devil is afraid of him that's right yeah he goes in to fight he him caught the fucking demon and put him in a cage <laughs> and he's like fuck you demon um, i'm gonna fucking make crosses do you have anything else specifically <laughs> that worked for you you want to 
I think that speak now or forever hold your that's it peace great yeah that's all mine alright let's, let's find out if there was anything that did not work for us yes it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing what did not work <laughs> The answer is almost no. Yeah, almost no for me too. Um, my one little thing is that I don't. I, hmm, I'm okay with it. It do, it's really not a thing. But I I think I would have liked Sartell's look more if he wasn't dry. You wanted to see him wet and drippy. Yeah. Literally dry. And what the reference that I kept thinking of throughout whenever I sort of would notice that he was a little like that, he, that they chose to have him be dry um, was Tim Curry in Legend. Is he shiny in He's Legend? He's super shiny. Yeah. And I and I think what what I why I prefer that is because it's more unsettling slippery and shiny is scarier i mean it's kind of like the in you know the alien design like they initially tested on camera with just the dry costume and they were like this is not working it looks weird and so they put that whatever that fucking probably ky jelly yeah on and it suddenly everything pops and lights reflecting it well and i just kept thinking man i would like to this that much more if he was shiny and reflective because he's you know there's fire around him all the time yeah and, shit, and i just think that but the, knowing the... he had to reach a place where we see him running around outside and more True. light well and that's sort of my i think the conceit that i uh, in my head came up with was like if he were down in hell and like in his comfort zone Maybe he would be scarier and shinier or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Maybe and he got dried up from being in a that's cage exact, for 10 Yes, years. that was like my justification to myself was like, well, he's, you know, he's probably thirsty. He's he lost his cage. juices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His demon juices. So I was okay with it. But it was the one thing design wise that I was like, oh man, I, I think I would like it better if he was slick and shiny. Okay. Eh, but it does not affect my... Right. Opinion of the movie. I only put down a couple things, one of which you kind of convinced me during this. Maybe I'm not so bugged by anymore, but you're like the angry mob people. Mm, mm -hmm. I just get so frustrated by that in general where it loses me when you don't at least have any naysayer or you don't see that straw that breaks the camel's back of like, (laughs) okay, you know, you know, you want to see sort of that, that tension reach a climax before but this was just no it's a given it's a saturday night of course we're gonna go out there with our picks with our pitchforks that's right but here's my like i and i think they do this i mean there's some purposeful um per, they <laughs> jesus what am i saying they construct this in a purposeful way that anytime a townsperson because they've sort of established that the townspeople are all kind of dumbasses Anytime there's a point where they have to like make a decision or they do something that's a little brash or whatever, Alfredo, our main demon, is there. Yeah. And I think that there's sort of an implication that, or insinuation, I don't know, that 
just his presence pushes people into this sort of yeah. bad decision making. Well, I really like that, and I wish it could have been a bit I more. I think apparent. they could. Yeah, they could have leaned in on that for sure. That would have been really cool because otherwise, even though it's sort of you could say justify the angry mob just inherently they're an angry mob because this is a fable mm-hmm, type mm-hmm. story yeah it for translating a fable for modern audiences i want that bit of though hesitation sure. of of you know yeah if there was a way that you could kind of you could you know you could see even just have like you're saying you have the one kind of naysayer Everybody else is kind of they're they're so um, easily manipulated. They're so suggestible. But if you had the sort of the one guy who gives a fuck who it is, but it could be or, the bartender. Or no, or no, no. But you already said it. It'd be better in this story to show that influence of the. Yeah. So the, I'm saying if you had the one guy who did kind of have a hesitation, and then you just show Alfredo kind of lean in, and he you watch him shift into the the mob mm-hmm. you go oh right you could just have a very quick moment right. that, that that points a little more Be- yeah because it shows all their sort of um their blind faith and yeah. almost fear yes. of government right and a higher authority but like, uh, like how they also treat heaven and hell yeah but i think that it's there or at least i was getting it um, especially when they're finally in the blacksmith's place, there's a couple moments uh, where I think it's the the innkeeper and his brother, they have it out and he like mm-hmm. punches his brother or like stops him or whatever. And there is a little suggestion of what we're talking about yeah. in that moment. But it's again, it's a little it's a little hands off. It's not it's not pointed at directly. Right. So the only thing I had that was a bit more certain of um, it's it's hard to call it a critique because it's almost feels like uh, it's partly budget and partly just the story of what oh, it is. I wonder if you're gonna tell say what I have. well. I just wish it was shorter. Like oh really? As if that for me would have better fit this sort of like the the fable story because mm-hmm. when something has this good of world building and characters yada yada i wanted more of a sense of adventure to it hmm. when really this sort of had this the same problem not as much but i call it the pirates of the caribbean problem Whoa. of where that that first pirates of the caribbean movie had no sense of adventure to me because they kept going back to the same like three <laughs> locations all movie yeah, yeah, they kept going funny. back to the same cave right. so like i want swashbuckling adventure but that's not there unless there's that progression like in yeah. you know comparable to this film legend you know where it's like they got to get the whole movie yeah. is going on this quest to get somewhere so I just hope sort of more that this allows the filmmaker said that he's be excited to adapt more fables like mm. this that he oh, loves. Awesome. So I hope one can kind of have that scope and trajectory of an adventure more of not just all taking place sure. at this at this smithy. Well, and I think that there is a big difference between a Brothers Grimm fable and a hero's journey sort of fairy tale. Yeah. Like they're structurally different and they they do different things. Yeah. And I think this just happens to be more of the the first one. I could just see this being... But it could. Like, I, I, if there was a... If, you know, the, like Jim Henson's The Storyteller, if this was yeah, an episode of that, yeah. or if it, this was something that was the more that hour-long format, mm-hmm. you know, I like how... um, Like I was saying, I love so much in the Black Cat, no B story, 
really going right. on. Like this was one where a B story could have helped more or, you know, mm, um, sure. There yeah. wasn't really one. Um, anyway. And it's weird. I say that, um, you know, all with hesitation. Cause I like loved every minute yeah. watching this film of how gorgeous it was, the performances yeah. yet just story wise, mm-hmm. I could have been more down for, I don't know. It, it, there could have been a different format that maybe doesn't exist. I get you. Like I, I loved how it had the budget behind it. Definitely. And they made the most of it. Oh man. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The I'm, only such thing an adventure I, hound. I you mean, know? yeah, I, I get that. I think for me, the only design or or look thing that I was like, hmm, eh, was was the actual hellscape stuff. I wasn't in love with, I think it's two things. I mean, obviously it's budget partially, right? Like, what are you going to do? You're at the gates. And I like certain aspects of what they were doing. They have this sort of, you know, these embers in the air and it's dark and you kind of are leading to the gate. But the gate looked weird to me and the angle that they sort of depicted it as a very low to high and it's sort of like flames up in the sky kind of thing. I just didn't dig it. Mm-hmm. I, and I and it and I felt the lack of budget in that one thing, and I was like, ah, okay, yeah, the end creature. Well, yes, CG. but so remember the opening. The opening has this very cool, weird, like artistic design sort of miniature. It was thing. beautiful. I wanted that. I yeah. wanted that literal that thing to be the gates of hell. If they had been standing in front of that, even if it had been a little like odd or wonky or green screen or whatever, I would have been more into that than the version that they gave us. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like, literally that's like my own dry devil gates of hell. Yeah. So pretty insignificant. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, things of note. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. Things of note. (laughs) This should be interesting. you got what you got um (laughs) so the uh i i thought it was interesting you know talking about budgetary constraints originally alistor the big demon the director wanted to have uh him speaking from a mouth in his belly what like he wanted you mean the in in his full form in yeah. his demon form in his full fe- demon form. Oh, he dude. wanted that, that. That'd be cool. The mouth and the belly, which what made me wonder if when they couldn't do that, he's like, well, can we just get one mouth on someone's butt instead? <laughs> you know. Well, if that was the cheaper. The answer was yes. Yes. You can't talk or do much, but we'll <laughs> yeah. do it for you. Oh, that's awesome. And um, I thought it was neat that you know that beautiful location of the forge, the smithy. Oh, that was an actual, you know, it's an actual place in Spain. It, um, it's, uh, it was in Muskies Biscay, Spain, and it closed. It was operational for about 500 years of uninterrupted activity, it said. Wow. Um, and closed in 1965. What does that even mean? It's, well, it was, it was doing its thing. It was. Baking stuff. Yeah. Metal, metal works, iron works. With bare fists. (laughs) And it was, um. (laughs) So now it's a museum and it's one of those museums oh. where it's like a living museum where you awesome. can go see and how this had been done for 500 years. Fuck, let's go. Right? It was so neat. Uh, that's awesome. Speaking of the blacksmith, he's Santa. 
What do you mean? Is Santa, you mean all this time Santa Claus is actually the Spanish actor and we just didn't know? What do you mean he is Santa? <laughs> what I mean is they had a couple specific design choices. Like he's wearing red Santa pants. I remember you saying that during the movie. Santa I know. Pants. I was like, what the fuck? And then there's this like, so I'm wondering there, I think there's got to be some sort of historical correlation that the the image of santa that we know now was something else in the past so rather than saying he is santa santa is him yes yes no definitely (laughs) yeah but there's like even him with the big bell holding it in a satchel over his shoulder i'm like and seeing him in these black boots and with the little white fucking fuzzy shit around it and the red pants i was like man and i mean he's got a big old beard i was like dude he's super santa right now you're right there's some sort of connection there. There is. That, I um, just don't know exactly what the lore of that is. That imagery, that archetype. But was Santa the like the original sort of where that came out of? Was that a blacksmith? I th- there might because like is there a connection to like the coal shit? You know, I, I don't know anything aside about from it, so Krampus and all that. <laughs> I haven't really looked yeah, into. Me neither. Well, I'll look Santa into Claus. it and maybe I can find something. It's cool. Um, pretty noteworthy though There's... that this film was in Basque, which. The, you know, its original language is Basque that this film right. was shot in. That's right, yeah. Which isn't, um, which I learned a little more about it. It's actually um, a language isolate where it's not, it's not like it led to Spanish and French. It's oh. one of, um, here, I'll just, I'll just, sort of its own I'll just read what I found here from oh. Wikipedia. It was cool. So um, yeah, language isolate. Basque is believed to be one of the few surviving pre-Indo-European languages in Europe. And it's the only one in Western Europe. The origin of Basque and their languages is not conclusively known, though the most accepted and current theory is that the early forms of Basque developed before the arrival of Indo-European languages in the area. Huh. Um, so it was pretty neat that they did a movie in that language. And also maybe maybe the language, because it predates all this stuff, maybe it um, was developed by Satan. <laughs> right. For all we know. <laughs> <laughs> there's like i think like four or five dialects within of basque within the region that's crazy um that's but cool. it was pretty neat to when we switched over i actually kind of wanted to rewatch the intro because we watched the intro and it was oh, still in, in english, english yeah. of that narrator's voice yeah um it would have been neat if that was in basque you know yeah but then yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as uh the movie kicked in after that we went into the netflix controls and saw basque original and right. how cool was that that's just awesome. to see like original language i was like i don't even basque. know what the fuck that is but yeah. yeah it was cool anything noteworthy as far as we watched it was kind of cool pulling this out from the hat because we had two spanish films in succession yeah. yeah i think it's cool i i think it's amazing that this is this director's first feature he had done been doing shorts for 15 years okay but still fucking amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I want to say, I mean, there's a lot of times, though, you know, that that people go, oh, this was your first film, you know, when it's no, someone's no. first feature. Yeah, and they're no. like, no, I've been doing actually doing this yeah. for a long time. And I hope uh, he wants to make, as I said, more films <sighs> awesome. uh, influenced very by people. So let's hope uh, it's popular on Netflix and they give him more money. Yeah. Get yep. into some of that yep, Netflix yep, yep. money. I hope like Netflix is sort of already has allowed for a lot of um you know, bigger budgets given to things that kind of studios these days are hesitant yeah. to give budgets to. I think that that seems to be kind of what's happening. So give to, a, to a certain degree. Yeah. Let let the Mandy Panos filmmaker make his She-Ra film for us. <laughs> you <laughs> oh, know, shit. And let this guy make uh, more, more fables. Yeah, man. Well, 
Can we find out what we're... No, recommendations. Yeah, let's recommend Dead. Okay, so uh, was it last week that you said um, uh, the Kevin Smith, the second one in the Nor... What's it called? The True North Trilogy. True North Trilogy, I recommended Yoga Hosers. Yeah, and because of that, I saw that Tusk, the first one, was streaming. I I think it's on Prime or something like that. And I was like, oh, fine, I'll, you know, I'd resisted watching it for a long time for some reason. I don't actually remember what made me not just watch it. Tusk? Yeah, Tusk. And so I said, fuck it. And I watched it and I loved it. So I'm recommending that. Can you get, say briefly why you loved it? I don't, can I without giving shit away? It's fucked up. And it's body horror fucked up in a couple ways, and you all know that I love body horror. It's in it's idiosync idiosyncratic weirdness. Yeah, I think is what a lot of people have uh, difficulty jumping into. Why was that not a problem for you? Because I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love weird shit. Me too. That's why I recommended yoga hoses. <laughs> now I need to find that and watch that. Yeah. So and funny. hope that the third one, whatever that is, gets I, made. I don't. Yeah, I, don't I hope it gets made. They're all super low budget, but yeah. that's a big part of their charm too. Fuck, dude. Tusk, great. Yeah. I um wanted to recommend. It's not going to be in theaters I'm anymore. Sorry, you want to what? Recommend dead. Oh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> actually, this would be this is going to be released two days after Christmas. So if anyone is listening to this fresh, this podcast. Merry Christmas. I hope you had a good oh, Christmas. yeah. And uh, right. a few days away from the new year. So I hope everyone had a good uh, 2018. Yeah. But I, what made I me... hope everybody had a good just general holiday December. Yeah. You know? Get what, around people you love. What made me think of terms of um, our real world timeline here was I don't think the film I'm recommending is in theaters anymore, but it was recently oh. in theaters. Overlord. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I didn't see it. Yeah. I need to. Damn it! I so wholly, many movies to see. Right, I recommend Overlord. I recommend Ed Overlord. Cool. It was so cool seeing in theaters too, like because it's an action horror film. Yeah. And like as um, I guess as a teenager, I was obsessed with those like Return to Castle Wolfenstein, that computer game. Cool. Where it's I the, never got into that, but awesome. It, it's like occult Nazism <laughs> stuff, and it's yeah. but the care it it takes it with a serious enough tone that you actually like really get into the characters and want to see you Good. make it out. Um, and it, uh, it's pretty isolated to the few locations, you know, which is my complaint about not an adventure, but this, it, it totally works. It's like a level or like a campaign in a video game. Yeah, I get that. And, uh, I really want it to do better because I'd love to see a sequel or more films like it. Yeah. I heard mixed reviews of it. So I'm, I'm curious because you really liked it. And I get somebody I know was like, yeah, I liked it, but meh, the end. I was like, oh, I don't know what that means. Don't tell me. It was so. You know? It was for me one of those films where it's like this is the baseline, like thought out and good that films should be, like that the attention to detail should be given to, you know, not like when we disparage Insidious Four kind of things where it's like it's not even hitting this like right this baseline mark, but um yeah this one did so so i'm saying with that is that the um so yeah some people could just be like oh yeah it's baseline good and then kind of come out whatever but for me having that applied to this this story in this context in this world yeah you know of course i'm gonna love it cool great awesome so now next week's movie it's your turn to pull from the hat yeah here we go here we go shake it up not like shaking up does anything yeah (laughs) okay Pulling. 
Do I have just one or two? No, that's two. Okay. I have pulled Lake Bottom, B-O-D-O-M. It's Finland. A Finnish film? Yeah, 2016. Great. I know nothing about this. What is this? Um... Well, I think uh, I think we'll we find out. Find out. <laughs> I, I think it's um something with uh something could be kind of gruesome about murderers and great something in that ilk. But hey, more recent horror film. It's probably sought on some list. I'm sure. Yeah. But it's cool because it'll, it'll be finished. No idea what we're getting into. Finished horror film. Yeah. I'm awesome. Down. Cool. All right, we'll find it. Maybe we'll have to rent it. We'll see. I know, right? <laughs> All right, well, uh, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Yep, and, you know, we're, like, on iTunes and shit, so that's probably how you're listening to us. But, like, yeah. you know, the thing that people always say, which I think is really annoying to hear over and over, but apparently you sh- need to rate and review shit. <laughs> so maybe we'll just every once in a while, episode every 18 episodes, <laughs> every 18, yes. we're going to let you know. <laughs> Reviews really help us out. I guess, yeah. If you're listening to this and uh, would like to do that. Yeah, and you know we've got dismembering horror Instagram and all which that I shit. think they should go to because then they can see your new kimono. Oh yeah, I'm gonna take that picture right now. <laughs> cool. All right, great. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed uh, sitting down and discussing the Spanish horror fable with us. Yeah. Bye bye. See ya. <laughs> ah!